Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, are you still on a high after that big win uh, down in Waco? Uh, yes, Carson. Actually, I am. It's uh, It's been a full week of hopping on Twitter, noticing that a whole bunch of people didn't watch the OSU Baylor game, and then hopping back off Twitter. So, yes, I'm still fired up about the win uh, and about this team's season. So, yeah, a lot to get to today. A lot of uh, folks just looking at box scores. Is that what you're saying? A lot of box score watching over the weekend. It was it was nice to see just one or two people nationally who actually watched the game. Uh, apparently, none of them were on one particular podcast, which I believe we're going to get to a little bit later in the show. But uh, again, it's an uphill climb for Oklahoma State in the logo game. We know that. But Oklahoma State is, is slowly making that climb. Slowly but surely. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit frustrating sometimes, but it's a process. Yeah, we got a lot to get to as far as the national reaction to Oklahoma State's huge win over Baylor. Of course, they host Texas Tech. Feels a little trappy, a little bit of a trap spot. Of course, you could probably say that about every game this year in the in the Big 12. But before we get to all of that and more, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Next time I'm in Stillwater, I'm going to have to go buy Chris's, Colby. I, I've got a lot of uh, OSU shopping on my mind. I, I need to get some fresh gear for game days, so... I'm definitely going to stop by Chris's next time I'm in Stillwater. But um, did you did you add anything to your ensemble for game days, or you just have, like do you just have like the same go-to polo and, and hat? No, here's the problem, Carson. I've been trying. I've been to a couple of places here in Oklahoma City. I was actually somewhere today where I was looking at some OSU gear, and I just didn't like any of it. Now the first couple of home games, my schedule was weird. They were evening games. I had to work. We were barely able to make it by kickoff. Saturday, I don't have to work. I'm off all day. We are going to Stillwater for Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. So I'm going to get there early. I am going to go to Chris's and I'm going to get some proper Oklahoma State gear because I have not updated my Oklahoma State wardrobe, Carson, in probably at least five years, maybe longer. Yeah, I'd say you need to go by Chris's. Um, I've been trying to find the polo that Mike was wearing against Baylor, just the white Nike polo with just cursive cowboys on it. I can't find one of those anywhere. So clearly I need to stop by uh, Chris's as well. I need to up- update my uh, my polo game for uh, whenever I make my first trip up to Stillwater. But I-, I want anything all cursive cowboys. And I need to get like an OSU baseball hat. Have you noticed how some of the uh, assistant coaches on the baseball team are just rocking straight up OSU baseball hats. Like one's got the, the tricolored hat with the white front. The other one's just wearing uh, their typical black and orange hat. Have you noticed that? It's a great look on the sideline. I, that might be I, my uni Heisman from last week. I was going to say, I haven't noticed it, but that is a great look. Those are phenomenal hats. Yeah, I think Greg Richmond rocks the uh, OSU baseball hat. It's one of the assistants, and somebody else does too. I can't remember who else that would be. But anyway, go to Chris's, get geared up, and uh, we got a big season ahead for Oklahoma State as they are the uh, betting favorite in Vegas to win the Big 12. But you mentioned it off the top, Colby. It's just remarkable. And uh, I thought, let me pull up this tweet. Just the national reaction has been remarkable. It's been a unanimous yawn from the national media. And I thought Nigel, who has a Twitter handle of Tacos in Therapy, I thought he summed it up best. He said, Oklahoma State won the turnover battle, gave up zero sacks, had superior special teams, and beat the 16th ranked team by double digits on the road just to be called a fraudulent top 10 team today, LOL. And what he's referencing is the the thing you were mentioning on Twitter, the Cover 3 podcast. I've never really listened to it, but they they posed the question. It's not like they just called out OSU for no reason. The question was posed to them, who's the most fraudulent top 10 team? And They picked Oklahoma State, despite the fact that Oklahoma State was ranked in the top 10 preseason, despite the fact they've won 17 of their last 19 games, and despite the fact that there's a lot more bigger frauds inside the top 10. But uh, Colby, just the fact that, and I think they, I believe they went on to reference how special teams and turnovers are, are lucky. Like, special teams are not lucky. Oklahoma State returned one to the house, returned another one 57 yards. As Mike Gundy referenced, it's 157 yards 
of offense that they didn't need because they were dominating in, in a, a third of the aspect of the game. So I said a lot there, Colby, but just your general reaction to the, the national uh, response to the Baylor win and just the Cover 3 podcast. Yeah, see, Carson, this is how I know that you're a much nicer person than I am because you phrased it as remarkable, the reaction. I would phrase the reaction as embarrassing, uh, particularly the Cover 3 podcast, which you mentioned, which I have not listened to, but I did take the time to listen this week because tweet after tweet after tweet was about this Cover 3 podcast and about their 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 analysis of Oklahoma State and Baylor, an analysis, Carson, that included them discussing whether Oklahoma State, I kid you not, people, they were discussing whether Oklahoma State could beat Baylor if the two played on a neutral field. This was two days after Oklahoma State won in Waco, handily, led by double digits the entire game, aside from one little stint in the fourth quarter where Baylor cut it to eight. Aside from that, Oklahoma State led by double digits the entire game, won easily as a two-and-a-half-point underdog in Waco, and from start to finish, was clearly the better team to anyone who watched the game. They had a discussion as to whether Oklahoma State could beat Baylor on a neutral field if they played again after Oklahoma State beat them in their place. By the way, first team to beat them in their place since Oklahoma State did it in 2020, that last game of the season, the COVID rescheduled game that was in mid-December. Nobody had won in Waco until Oklahoma State went down and did it on Saturday. It was a resounding, dominating performance from Oklahoma State. And to hear the audio of people who have a a big following, a pretty big fan base, it seems like, and for it to just be obvious that they didn't watch the game and that they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, Again, somebody tweeted at me and was trying to be diplomatic about it and said, oh, I love the cover three guys, but I don't think they watched the game on Saturday. And I just, I, I quote tweeted that or responded to that. And I'm like, look, I don't love the cover three guys. So I can call it like it is. They embarrass themselves. Carson, I mean, Oklahoma State wins in Waco. Oklahoma State gets the kick return, which was a big deal to them, you know, because that's fluky. Aside from the fact that Oklahoma State has the number one ranked special teams in the country. Whenever you look at the metrics, the analytics, the efficiency on special teams, Oklahoma State is the best special teams team in the country. They have come miles and miles and miles away from where they were just several years ago when we were begging Gundy to hire a special teams coach, when it was a fair catch on every single punt, when they were terrified to bring a kick out because they knew they weren't going to get back to the 25. Those days are long gone. This is the best special teams unit in the entire country. I, I truly couldn't believe what I was listening to, Carson. And then I finally decided, I'm like, look, they clearly didn't watch the game. So so what are we doing giving so much um, credit to their opinion. I mean, look, they have a platform. People listen. It still bothers me that people with platforms put out these narratives that then people shape their opinions based on those narratives. But it was just, Carson, it was so obvious they didn't watch the games. And I just, I can't take that uh, opinion or analysis very seriously at all. Well, I think the reason there was such a visceral reaction from Oklahoma State fans, one, I think we all listening to this podcast, us recording it can admit, oh, she was a sensitive bunch, sensitive fan base. Uh, the conspiracy theories about the media being against them run rampant in this fan base. I, I say all that up front, but I think the reason people reacted so strongly to the cover three is because it's kind of the reaction we've seen nationwide. I mean, the only person I found that was praising Oklahoma State significantly was Greg McElroy, who's not the biggest fan of the Big 12. You can just hear it in his voice when he calls OSU games and, and Big 12 games. He's not a huge fan of that conference, the Big 12. And he... He actually called a spade a spade because he also referenced that Oklahoma State 7-1 and one in their last eight games against ranked opponents. Oh, by the way, that one was the one they were one inch short against, against Baylor in the Big 12 title game. That was my biggest problem with it. And I, I actually know who Bud Elliott is. He's one of the hosts on the cover three. I, I followed him for years. Adam Lunt kind of turned me on to him because he's a, he's a Florida State guy. And Adam Lunt and I are huge Florida State fans. He and I have gone to Florida State games together. And Bud Elliott's a really sharp dude. He is. He's got a law background. Uh, I really respect his football opinions a lot. Chip Patterson's, I, I've met him a few times. He's done some work with Kyle Porter, formerly of Pistols Firing, and I don't really know him that well. But I do respect Bud, and Bud quote tweeted a tweet and said, I definitely do not think Oklahoma State is fraudulent. I'm not yet sold they are one of the 10 best in the sport. To which I, this is one of my biggest problems with it is, I quote tweeted him and I said, look, OSU's won 17 of their past 19. 
They've been top 10 in the country in wins since 2010 and over the past five years, both of those time periods. My biggest problem is they're not some lookout for Iowa or Minnesota in the Big Ten West, Johnny come lately. To, to not be sold that they're one of the 10 best in the sport means you haven't been watching the sport. They've been top 10 in the wins over the last decade and of the past five years. Where have you been to just dismiss them as perhaps I'm not yet sold that they're one of the, that they belong in the top 10? What, what sample size do you want? Because we can go this year, preseason, done. This many games in, done. We can go 10 years ago, done, or the last five years. So that I think that's why people are so up in arms. They're, they're lumping Oklahoma State in as if they are Kentucky, who's had one good season ever. And that's why people were upset. And, I, and that's where I get upset about it, too, just because it's like, look, you could not watch the game. The box score's funky due to a special teams touchdown and a 57-yard return. And you clearly just didn't watch the game because there is no way that anyone watched that game start to finish, didn't sit back there and go, wow, OSU, they were just like a play away from blowing that thing wide open, three, four touchdown win. I mean, they were they were right on the precipice of that. And Baylor kept making these really Hail Mary type plays on fourth down from their own end zone practically. So I think that's kind of where I'm at with it, Colby. No, I'm with you on a lot of things that you just said. I understand the visceral reaction. Uh, Oklahoma State fans can be a sensitive bunch at times. I can certainly fall into that category. It's just, Carson, it's frustrating. It's a lifetime of just national people just dumping on Oklahoma State football. And when I was a kid, it was warranted. I get it. When I was a kid, Oklahoma State was nothing more than a spoiler. That's what Oklahoma State was. Oklahoma State would have some good years from time to time. When I was a kid, it was it was an accomplishment to make a bowl game. You got to six. That was a big deal. You get to go to a bowl game. That's in a different era where bowl games mattered and were a reward for teams as opposed to just some sort of made-for-TV consolation. But now, Carson, we're going on <sighs> – more than a decade now of sustained success at Oklahoma State. There have been a couple of six and sixes mixed in there, but those are just the absolute floor years. I mean, Oklahoma State has risen itself to where year in and year out, Carson, they are a borderline top 10 program. And this year, they certainly are. Do I think Oklahoma State's going to go undefeated? No, I don't. It's, it's very hard to do in college football. It's very hard to do in a conference where you don't get five absolute rumdums every year in conference play. You don't have to play Ohio State or Alabama, but you also don't get to play uh, Rutgers. You don't get to play whoever else, uh, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State. Whoever, well, Mississippi State beat up on a and but you get my point. You don't get to play the rumdums that are in the Big Ten and the SEC at the bottom because the Big 12, pretty decent top to bottom. Like, there just are no terrible, terrible programs anymore in the Big 12 now that Kansas has pulled themselves out of the depths of college football. I just... I still don't understand the argument. You're looking at the back end of the top 10, 8, 9, 10, behind Oklahoma State and the AP polls, Tennessee, Ole Miss, and Penn State. Behind them, Utah, Oregon, Kentucky, North Carolina State, Wake Forest. I just, man, I, I don't know how you could possibly think Oklahoma State is ranked too high. But again, Carson, what it comes down to me is I, I just, we're clearly watch, listening to a conversation of people who didn't watch the game, and that's okay because there are only so many hours in the day. But you just have to be honest with people. You just have to say, look, I wasn't able to sit down and watch this game yet. I'd like to go back and watch it and see how we got to this conclusion because I'm still a little confused on Oklahoma State and Baylor. But, Carson, let me ask you this. They said that Oklahoma State not sold on them being a top-10 program. They all agreed that if Oklahoma State and Baylor played again on a neutral field, that Baylor wins. That was, like, not even a question. Not even a question. If Oklahoma State and Baylor play again on a neutral field, Baylor wins, even though Oklahoma State beat them in Waco, which, again, doesn't make sense. But how is Baylor a better program over the last 10 years than Oklahoma State? What, because they won one game last December when Spencer well, threw? No, they, they were just saying top 10 this year. And I, that, I brought up the last 10 because, like, they treat Oklahoma State like one of these Johnny-come-lately Iowas that doesn't play anybody and just gets an inflated record. It's like That's, that's basically the discussion that they're having is that OSHA doesn't even belong in the top 10 despite the fact – that they were preseason top 10 this year. So I, that, that's where I was uh, coming out with that. Okay, fair enough. I almost feel like I'm talking in circles now. but yeah, It's I mean, all right. Um, yeah, Baylor at this point, Carson, they lost to BYU. Iowa State pressed them into the third quarter. I think Baylor's a really good football team. I hope they lose some more games because I don't want Oklahoma State to see them again in the Big 12 championship game. I just The mental block with Spencer I don't totally love, even though I think he overcame it to an extent Saturday. 
I think Baylor's a really good team, but Baylor's also currently a two-loss team. Uh, the Baylor was a two-loss team coming into October. I, I mean, come on. That that team's going to beat Oklahoma State again on a neutral field. It's just – it's a joke. We just beat them at their place. Uh, Baylor was second as far as others receiving votes. They're not even inside the top 25 after the home loss to Oklahoma State. So, uh, just a, a bad, bad, bad conversation, well, and, bad, bad segment. Well, and here's the deal. Like, if you actually take a step back and, and – if you're going to be this adamant about Baylor beating Oklahoma State on a neutral, I don't know why they keep bringing up a neutral field. Like you mentioned, oh, shoot, just beat them in Waco. Like what the hell does that matter? Um, if they do play again, it will be on a neutral field, I guess is their point. Um, but you look at the fact that Oklahoma State spotted them seven interceptions and won by double digits the first meeting, was an inch away from beating them again. And... They're three and one with all three wins against Baylor in their last four meetings coming by double digits. Like how I don't see what metric you would use to say they're the better team. I mean, OSU, if OSU doesn't have like the worst amount of turnovers a team could possibly have, they're easily four and over that span. So that we don't have to keep talking about it. It, it was ridiculous. The national narratives on Oklahoma State will continue despite all that. I thought it was strange though, Colby. Um, this is someone that's not biased in terms of who they favor. This is all computer stuff. Bill Conley from ESPN, I, I like his stuff a lot. It, I think it spits out weird things that I rarely agree with. And this is maybe the worst one I've seen yet. His, he tweeted out the lowest postgame win expectancy in a win of week five, and OSU was on the list at uh, 45%. Um, which I don't understand because, look, Baylor kicked a field goal on their opening drive. As soon as OSU got the ball, they went and scored a touchdown and led. As soon as they touched the football, they led wire to wire. How, I, how they're one of the lowest win expectancy teams to get a big win uh, in week five was beyond me. But I just think it's – you couple that with some of the cover three stuff, with some of the other yawning reactions nationwide. I think OSU fans look around, Colby, going like, am I taking crazy pills? Like, was this not a, a massive national game that OSU just controlled and dominated? Not dominated, but they controlled for the most part. Yeah, they, they controlled. I mean, they were up by 20 at one point in the game. Baylor goes on a little run. I, honestly, the fourth and five play was a little bit fluky. Fourth and five, you take it 75 to the house. That's a little fluky. Yeah. That, that's easily as fluky as the number one special teams unit in the country getting a kickoff return for a touchdown. It's easily as fluky when you convert a fourth and five from your own 30 uh, and take it to the house for a touchdown. Uh, again, Carson, are we taking crazy pills? Are we? Because you're putting out post-game win expectancy. Oklahoma State led by double digits throughout. How was their post-game win expectancy amongst the lowest in the country? I don't understand the numbers that the computer spit out there. That is the reason uh, that, that smart people who use analytics also use the eye test. It's both, Carson. What One without the other I don't think works. I think you need the numbers. Yeah. You also need the eye test to to quantify those numbers and to give some context to what you're looking at because that just doesn't make any sense from anyone who watched the game. Oklahoma State was up by 20 right after, right out of halftime. How was their post-game win expectancy below 50%? I, I don't get it. That is a metric that I need to look more into and figure out how it's calculated because it, it truly it, it truly confused me when I saw it. Not even angered. It confused me when I saw it because that's not a person putting out a dumb opinion. That's a computer spitting out a number based on an algorithm, and I'd love to know how it got there because I, I just I can't figure it out. Uh, literally the only reason Baylor ever led in the game is because they won the coin toss. Again, as soon as OSU got the football, they led throughout. So that, that was weird. But, hey, OSU's kind of becoming somewhat of a, a national darling in terms of the fan bases nationwide on, on Reddit. Apparently, it was a big OSU love fest this, this week. Reddit College Football put out the tweet of an Alabama fan and a Clemson fan kind of going back and forth about how Oklahoma State's the most disrespected team in college football. The Clemson fan points out that how much more attention Texas A&M gets despite since 2010. A&M has won 10 or more games just once. OSU's done it seven times. So I think people that really follow college football, like some of these fans, not these talking heads that just put a microphone on and just, just lean on cliche crutches. It was kind of cool to see, I guess, on Reddit, Oklahoma State uh, was a big hit this week and got a lot of defenders out there because I think – the Reddit community saw what we were just talking about, Colby, that 
people are just disrespecting OSU, even though uh, they've had a long, sustained period of success. It's just the whole thing's weird. Yeah, it, it is very weird. And I, I do appreciate that there are some fans out there who are taking notice. It's sustained success over a long period of time, and it's starting to become a higher level of success. And this is what we talked about last week, Carson. It, it's not just one year where you pop. It has to be year after year after year in the conference championship game, year after year after year playing against these big-name schools who garner respect in bowl games. I mean, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, every time they get on a big stage, they just get smacked around like they're a high school team. And yet, they're Notre Dame. So they get the respect because 30 years ago, they were really, really good. They were one of the best in the country. You have to continue to stack good year on top of good year on top of good year in order to get the attention of people nationally. And Oklahoma State's finally doing that. The Big 12 is finally starting to get some attention. Uh, Carson, I, I quote tweeted something earlier. Uh, several metrics rankings now have the Big 12 looking like the top comp conference in the country this year. Kelly Ford's ratings have the Big 12 as the top conference in the country right now. The Massey ratings have the Big 12 as the top conference in the country right now. And they both acknowledge that while the Big 12 does not have an Alabama or a Georgia, the Big 12 also doesn't have any off weeks. And man, that's just it's tough when there are no off weeks. It's round robin. Everybody plays everybody. Everybody knows everybody really well because you see each other year in, year out. You're, you're not playing a team once every four years where it's a, an entirely different staff and an entirely different roster. You're playing teams year in, year out. Everybody knows each other. They know strengths. They know weaknesses. And there are no truly bad football teams, it wouldn't appear, in the Big 12 Conference. I, I'm talking – I'm not talking about four and eight. I'm talking about Rutgers. I'm talking about, uh, I don't even know, Indiana, Northwestern, those type of schools. With, with Kansas picking up its game, the Big 12 no longer has any of those. And it seems like despite the large swath of people nationally who have not yet come around, there are some people who are starting to take notice. Hey, Big 12's playing some football. Hey, Oklahoma State's the best of that bunch. Is this a real program here? Some people are starting to take notice. It's just a long, slow process, Carson, and that's the part that can be a little bit frustrating. Yeah, it is. And what's really frustrating to me is Kansas State losing to Tulane. Like, uh, this reminds me of so many years where, where uh, you know, Iowa State, the year they make, they make the Big 12 title game, they lost some ridiculous game in the non-conference to someone terrible. I think it was like Lafayette or somebody. Like, those games are killing the Big 12. Like, Kansas State, you have to beat Tulane. Like, I know Tulane's pretty good. They had a big win last week. Like, come on. Like, if, if K-State was undefeated after beating Oklahoma, like, it just makes the conference look even better than it already does. But you're, you're right. People that are paying attention, uh, they, they realize what, what a good conference the Big 12 is. And I've been saying that for years. Like, there's a, there's a scheme here at play where SEC teams don't go on the road. They certainly don't play all the big boys in a given year. Same with the Big 10. I mean, it's they they've gained the system, and the Big 12's sitting here playing this round robin, and it's it's killing them. It re, it really is. But um, let's get to this week's game, Colby. Oklahoma State is the betting favorite, despite uh, all the national yawning going on. They are the favorite according to Caesar Sportsbook at plus 250. K State second best odds. Texas third. TCU, Baylor, Kansas, Oklahoma. So. Obviously, Vegas is paying attention because they were impressed with what Oklahoma State did. But um, let's get to the Texas Tech game. Colby, I, as this game gets closer and closer, I wasn't really too wasn't too really worried about it or fired up. But the more I've kind of thought about it, I, I really don't like the spot. You know, this, is, this has got squinky written all over it. At home, coming off a big statement win, you know, you're feeling good. Looks like the favorite in the Big 12. This has the makings of some of those games. Like, I think back to that 2017 game against TCU at home when OSU got up to, like, third in the country after just beating the brakes off Pitt on the road. And they just come out and get stomped by a really very, very mediocre TCU team and Kenny Trill. Um, and you, you look at the matchup too, Colby, like, Donovan Smith, he's been kind of shaky with interceptions, but Tech throws the heck out of the football. You look at OSU's defense, that's where they look most susceptible is through the air. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting a little uh, I'm getting a little nervous coming, to, coming into Saturday, Colby. I'm not nervous is probably the wrong word, but my senses are heightened more than I was really expecting at this point in the week. 
Carson, this is so funny because as I did some research today for this game, you know, I'm, I'm looking around at Texas Tech, Donovan Smith, Sir Roderick Thompson, some of these familiar names. Uh, I'm looking at the way they've been playing. Carson, the closer we get to this game, the more I feel like we're all just going to be singing Garth Brooks and having a good time in the fourth quarter on a chilly Saturday in Stillwater. I'm going the opposite way. The closer we get to this game, the more I think Oklahoma State's going to beat them by three touchdowns. Texas Tech cannot run the ball, refuses to even try. They had 16 rush attempts last week that weren't from their quarterback. Technically, Donovan Smith had 18 rush attempts. There weren't actually uh, that many sacks count against you in college football. Kansas State, on the other hand, ran the ball for 343 yards against Tech last week. Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez both going for 170-plus. 170 for Deuce Vaughn, 171 for Adrian Martinez. Donovan Smith threw it 48 times last week with a couple interceptions mixed in there. I assume he's going to throw it north of 40, maybe 50 times against Oklahoma State. I just... I think Oklahoma State's a better football team. I think Texas Tech's going to get bullied at the line of scrimmage. If you're going to drop back and throw 50 times against Oklahoma State, how many times then are Colin Oliver and Trace Ford, Tyler Lacey, and Brock Martin, how many times are these guys going to get home? Because it seems like it'll be a bunch. Um, Maybe they can do some quick passing stuff, but I'm not nearly as worried about Oklahoma State's defense as I would have been a couple of weeks ago after what we saw last week. We are trending in totally opposite directions, Carson, because I – Sitting here right now, I think Oklahoma State is going to blow Texas Tech out. Well, that makes me feel better, but um, <laughs> I just think I've been wrong before. I think just look. Do I think Oklahoma State is going to lose the game? No, but I just I think I think this is going to show us a lot about OSU secondary, who played really well for the most part against Baylor. Because you're right, they don't even try to run the football. It's like vintage Texas Tech that we were so used to seeing, but. I don't know. I mean, look, the quarterback, Donovan Smith, he's put up huge numbers. He's got 11 touchdowns to seven interceptions. And that's where I get kind of concerned, Colby, because, look, they, they beat Texas at home. That's a, that's a good win. Uh, they had a, they've had a tough uh, stretch. Um, I'm sorry. I'm losing my train of thought here. Uh, who, did, they, did they beat Houston? Uh, tech, uh, boy. You're asking me a question I'm, that I don't. I'm I trying to type it. and talk at the same time. It's not going well. They they beat Houston. They did, they did double overtime. Okay. They beat Houston yeah, so, back to back weeks. That's what it was. That's that's pretty. Those are two. Those are two good wins. I don't know how good Houston is, but point being, they, Colby, they despite NC State lost to NC State in between. Yeah, and they're respectable. They didn't get just blown out by NC State by any means. But all that to say, they're near the bottom in the country in turnover margin. They've had uh, 12, I believe it's 12 turnovers this year to Oklahoma State's four. So if Oklahoma State doesn't force any turnovers, then you got Donovan Smith airing the football out against a young secondary. If they get up early, uh, that's that's the only reason I'm kind of waffling a little bit here on my, my final score prediction. Just the fact that Tech has been one of the worst teams at – giving away turnovers. They certainly could continue that trend, Colby, but if Donovan Smith doesn't, doesn't just throw it to you, is OSU going to get as many stops as you probably are hoping they will? That's that's where I'm that's where I'm kind of at with this matchup. It's kind of a, a weird matchup for Oklahoma State. That's a, that's a good question. If they don't turn it over, where does that leave you? It's kind of like the Spencer thing with Baylor, right? If Spencer doesn't turn it over, Oklahoma State's a better team than Baylor. They just are. Turned it over seven times against them last year. We're still plus five in point differential on the two games, and we're an inch away from winning them both with seven turnovers from your quarterback. Carson, I expect Donovan Smith to throw it to Oklahoma State a couple times. I don't expect him to be able to get comfortable back there because, again, you don't even have to respect Texas Tech's running game. I mean, you can just let them look. If you want to line up in the shotgun every snap, you're going to throw it 50 times. Okay, the the 14 times that you run it and you want to pick up six yards up the middle on shotgun, we're going to let you do that because we know, as a defense, you're not going to commit to that. It's not what you want to do. It's not what you're good at. It's not how you think you can have success. So 
I mean, I think Oklahoma State's not going to punt on defending the run game, but I think they're just going to throw their pass defense out there on almost every down and force Donovan Smith to have success while he is uncomfortable. And Donovan Smith has not proven that he can do that. You make him uncomfortable, he's going to throw you the ball. I think Oklahoma State is as equipped to make him uncomfortable as anybody in the conference. I I just, man, I, I see how there could be some breakdowns on the back end. Maybe you get a couple of big plays, but I just don't see how for four quarters, Donovan Smith can consistently lead his team down the field on touchdown drives without turning the ball over. If they're going to ask him to throw 50 times, which I think that they will. So I think it's a good matchup for Oklahoma state. I do. I get it being worried about the spot. You're coming off a big win. That's an emotional win. And you're the favorite to win the Big 12. Now, it seems like everything's lined up for you. You've got a big game all of a sudden next week in Fort Worth uh, against a, a top 20 TCU team that I think could be even higher because I do think they're going to beat Kansas this week. I, I do see how it could be a little bit of a trap spot. But, man, 230 at home, back in Stillwater, the high Saturday, 64 degrees now. It's going to be awesome to play football. Shouldn't be any weird weather, you know, heat, cold, rain, anything like that. They're just going to go out there, and I just think Oklahoma State's a much better team. I, I, I think Tech is a bottom ah, bottom two or three team in this conference, uh, and I think Oklahoma State's going to show that on Saturday. They might be the worst, despite, you know, my, my concerns. I mean, which is – you know, of all the years to be the worst team in the Big 12, there's certainly no shame this year. Um, I think it's Iowa State. It might be. Did you know they've lost like seven of their last like nine games, something like that? It's uh, wild. They have not been good. Basically what happened is Matt Campbell turned down a whole bunch of bigger program, really high-paying jobs to stay at Iowa State, which good on him for his loyalty. Uh, maybe should have gotten while the getting was good because Iowa State is not very good right now. Well, they're 3-2 and two this year. They lost one, two, three, four, five, six. They lost four of six to end the year last year. Woof. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, look, they, they got to replace a lot. I get that, but that's, um, not good. Not great. Not great. Um, do you know the last time Texas Tech won on the road against a ranked opponent? On the road against a ranked opponent? Um, Hmm. I'm assuming because you're asking, it's either been a minute or it's against Oklahoma State. I do remember them winning in Stillwater. It feels like within the past six or seven years. So I'm going to say against Oklahoma State. Uh, yes, 2018 in Stillwater against Corn Dog. That's right. Back when they literally did nothing on offense, and I was screaming like, "Pull Spencer Sanders red shirt." He, they're not getting a first down against Tech. Tech was like, Kentucky, didn't they? Oh, it was like brutal. It was uh. 2018, uh, I can pull it up right here. Ugly, 41 ugly, to 17. Ugly I remember sitting at that game thinking, what is the future of this program? I would not have believed you if you would have told me this is where this team would be in 2022. That day as I sat there and watched Texas Tech just rail Oklahoma State 41 to 17 to open conference play. Yeah, that was uh, Cliff Kingsbury's last stand. It was the first time they'd beaten Oklahoma State in nine games. Like Gundy just owned Texas Tech even at the height of their, you know, the height of their program with, with Mike Leach. Uh, do you remember last year's matchup? This is a constant, this is a, a huge reminder of how good OSU's defense was last year, Colby. Guess how many total yards Texas Tech had last year? Oh, in I, rem- I remember that Oklahoma State just absolutely throttled them. Um, guessing on total yards, I'm gonna, I don't know, 230? 108. Total yards for a game. I wasn't even close. I said 230. The final score was 23-0. Does that count? They threw for 83 yards. They ran for 25. That is insane. That is as dominant as a defense can possibly be. And so, yes, if you're picking Oklahoma State huge this weekend, look, it's not the same defense. We all know that, but this is still the same offense they faced in Texas Tech. So, I think, like, look, Oklahoma State's defense has regressed. We can admit that. There was only one way to go from the defense we watched last year because that was unbelievable. That, that was the best defensive performance these two eyes have ever seen from an Oklahoma State football team. So, just wanted to go down a little memory lane with you here from the, uh, the series. Uh, one guy I wanted to talk about we didn't really touch on much last week, uh, Colby, or last podcast, was Dominic Richardson. 
the the videos going viral this week. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name that put it together, but the the video of him trucking uh, Siaki Ika from Baylor, like spinning off him and trucking him, was big time. And I I just thought, you know, certain guys, Colby, just run harder than most. I think of uh, Roshan Johnson at Texas. He kind of he's not as good a running back as Bijan Robinson is. But he like runs harder, if that makes sense. Like he runs into tackles harder than most running backs do, and that's the way I feel about Dominic Richardson. Because, and that's even really impressive to me because that's not what he was in high school. In high school, he was more of like a scat bag. He was kind of uh, skinny, uh, more of a you catch passes, more of a kind of a dual threat type of running back. But man, did he run hard against Bay or against you know the teeth of the defense? They weren't running a whole lot of outside stuff. They were running straight up the gut right at the strength of Baylor. And I thought he ran really well and he's proven he can be the, the starting tailback. Cause that was a big discussion point uh, coming into the year. Yeah, it was Siaki Ika throws Preston Wilson and Hunter Woodard to the ground on that play. And he's just standing there straight up waiting on Dominic Richardson to meet him in the hole. Dominic Richardson, I mean, he just bounces off his chest, spins to the outside, turns into a seven-yard gain. It was incredibly impressive from Dom. He runs so hard. To think that TCU didn't want this guy uh, is insane. Hopefully next week he'll just go off against TCU and continue to prove that they made the wrong decision on that deal, Uh, which, hey, Oklahoma State's the benefactor. I love it. He's been great. It's an in-state kid, obviously really easy to root for. And Carson, as much as we all want to see Ollie Gordon, and I do because I think he can be special, I mean, he's a true freshman. He put the ball on the ground in a bad spot last last week uh, against Baylor whenever Spencer had to come in and bail him out. And Dominic Richardson is a really good starting running back in the Big 12 Conference. I mean, I'm watching this play on a loop right now. By the way, it was Cody Nagel uh, who sent it out, at Cody Nagel 247 on Twitter. He's a staff writer for Oklahoma State 247, does a good job covering the Oklahoma State Cowboys and put out kind of a series uh, of plays from Saturday's game. I rewatched uh, the OSU Baylor game Monday morning. Man, it just, it, it was a dominant performance, and Dominic Richardson was a big part of that. He ran hard, and he's a guy that uh, as a defense, you have to tackle him 15 to 18 times. You're going to feel it a little bit because like you said, Carson, he runs hard. He seeks out contact. Uh, he doesn't shy away from it. I love watching him run. I was thinking of uh, a Cowboy State guy named Nathan. He put out a video. It was a little bit more, a little, little bit more meme related with uh, SpongeBob and stuff with <laughs> Dom Richardson <laughs> trucking Ika. But, but no, you're, I, I agree with everything you said. He's, he just, he's, emerged as a really good running back at, at this level. And uh, they've certainly relied on him against Baylor. Um, prediction time. Before we get to uh, picking the actual game, Colby, let's get to the Chris's University Spirit uniform preview brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, I'll go first since uh, I nailed it last week with the all-whites, the clean whites. I think, let's see here, 2.30 game. I'm going to go black, black, orange. I'm going to go cursive Cowboys black, black jersey, orange pants. Uh, I think this is one of the games where it's home game. You want to you bust out a, a really good combo. So I'm going to go black, black, orange with the uh, black cursive Cowboys helmet with the orange face mask, which is a nice touch how they switch that up for uh, you know, the orange pants. Black, black, orange. Okay, so so far this season, Oklahoma State's worn orange shirts, black shirts, and gray shirts at home. And then they went with the all-whites down in Waco. I think they actually might go back to the orange for a 2.30 afternoon kick and save the black uh, for what could potentially be a night game against Texas. So I think that they're going to go with the orange tops. Uh, I think they're going to go white lids and white pants. I think they're going to have white on top and bottom intersected with orange. And give me the, uh, gosh, which white helmet? They've already won three white helmets this year. I actually, I don't know how I feel about going with the white helmet again. It'd be the fourth white helmet in, uh, in five games. Actually, I'm going to pivot on the helmet. I'm going to pivot on the helmet because they've already worn Patriot Pete. They've already worn the white cursive Cowboys helmets, and they've already worn the white helmet with just the OSU insignia on the side. So I'm going to change cars. I'm going to pivot and go to black, white, uh, pardon me, black, orange, white. I think they go tricolor on Saturday. And that black helmet uh, is just going to be the matte black with, matte black with the OSU insignia on the side. So uh, I talked myself into pivoting to the tricolor. Love that look. They wore that against West Virginia and it looked sharp. Um, I, I love that. I might 
Okay, they've worn white, orange, orange. I, I was almost going to switch to that. They wore that in uh, the season opener. But uh, I, I, I'm, I'm curious if they want to wear black against Texas Tech since they were black. They might. Uh, I guess I'll stick with my original prediction. But, you know, they're honoring Bob Fenimore. Uh, I'd love to see like a full-on 1945 throwback, but I don't think they're going to do that for uh, just one game. So I'll, I'll stick with my original uh, prediction. What about uh, the game, Colby? Give me your pick for uh, OSU Texas Tech. Yeah, Carson, I, I don't think this one's particularly close. I think Texas Tech will score some points just by virtue of running a bunch of plays and throwing the ball around the yard a lot. But I think a lot of the points that they're going to score are going to be meaningless points. Uh, I think Oklahoma State wins it. Carson, I'm going to go 51-27. I think Oklahoma State blows them out. Uh, and, and I think that might even include, include a late score or two from Texas Tech. I think that this is the best team in the Big 12 against probably the eighth or ninth best team in the Big 12, uh, and I think the gap is pretty sizable, and I think Oklahoma State shows that on Saturday. So I'll go 51-27 Cowboys. I like it. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit lower scoring, but I think there's going to be plenty of points. Um, I just I think this is a bad spot. I don't like the uh, secondary having to face this many passes. I, I do like the opportunity for the OSU defense to tee off on the quarterback. That'll be fun to watch. I just kind of think we might be sitting here – Looking back at this game, like, oof, lucky to get out of that one. Uh, I'm going Oklahoma State 42, Texas Tech 35. Uh, I think it's way closer than the spread. I think Tech covers, and uh, I think OSU just breathes a sigh of relief and moves on. Um, I could be wrong. OSU, if, if OSU comes out and wins this game by two, three, four, or more touchdowns, I think it's time to reconsider the ceiling of this team. Considering the spot, do I think Tech's that good? No. Um, but there's a reason teams rarely ever go undefeated. It's just so hard to do week in, week out. I will be extremely, extremely impressed if they handle business in a dominant way against Texas Tech. Yeah, I, I'm not ruling out the possibility by any means that, uh, that this game could be much closer than I think because there's a reason they play them. They don't play them on paper. I, I know I could sit here on, uh, on Sunday and just lose my mind because Oklahoma State butchered this one. I, I just don't see it. I don't think it's in the cards. Also, cards, you know what I do think is in the cards? So, again, my technology failed me on Sunday. I, I trusted that my technology would be good to go. I didn't fully uh, work, work through all the kinks. But now I think we're going to be good to go, Carson. I think this Sunday at noon we're going to be live on YouTube. We're, uh, we're about 99% sure, sure that we have all of our technological problems worked out. Yep, we'll uh, have to test that prior. Sorry again about the, uh, the mishap, but uh, it's a work in progress. But uh, hopefully we have a win to talk about. Um, I did ask for Twitter questions. You got time for some Twitter questions, Colby? Absolutely. Love Twitter questions. All right, I put uh, the call out to the uh, loyal listeners, and we got a few questions here. Uh, from Kirk England, Carson, do you think the same reason why Oklahoma State is so good against the spread is the same reason why some of the national commentators don't believe in Oklahoma State? Faulty power numbers that don't tell the whole story, slash coaching, et cetera. Yeah, I think I think that goes hand in hand. While Vegas does watch it way more closely than the national media, the national voices out there, I'll never forget, Colby, in 2010 to start the year, OSU's win total was like six and a half, and I absolutely hammered it. And they started the year 10 and 0. It was the year they had Whedon and, and Kendall Hunter for the first year as full-time starters. And they just obliterated the win total. I think Vegas underrates Oklahoma State just like the uh, the national people do. Yeah, I think you're a little bit right on that one. Uh, they do, but it's, it's college football. It's helmet logo. It matters so, so much because Vegas is trying to get 50% on each side. Vegas wants to make sure that they're making their money on the juice. And Vegas knows that, nas that betters nationally don't respect Oklahoma State a ton. I would guess that Vegas has made a killing on Oklahoma State over the last oh, decade. Oh, do you want to hear this? Uh, where would you guess Oklahoma State is since 2010 against the spread nationally? Cover percentage? Yeah. Uh, I, I, are they one? They're one for anyone that matters. Okay, you so there's but like a Southern Illinois in there or something. The, the team that is right behind Oklahoma State only further illustrates this point. So – and I, I think you can throw out number one. They're, they only list them at 10, 3, and 1. That's James Madison with a 76%. Number two would be don't Liberty. Care. Nope, doesn't, doesn't count. Don't, and don't care. they've played way less games than a lot of the teams on this list. Then it's Oklahoma oh, State. Power 
Power five, yeah. It's Oklahoma State at 94, 61, and three since 2010. That's a 60.7% cover rate, which would be number one amongst all Power Five schools. And I think that perfectly illustrates it. And guess who's, do you have a guess who's number two behind Oklahoma State? Think Think of a team that also no one ever talks about nationally. All they do is win some big games year in, year out. They've, They've won a Big 12 championship before. Who, who would that be? TCU? TCU has not won a Big 12 championship. Baylor. Baylor. Not Baylor. Not ba- Kansas State. It's got to be Kansas State. Kansas State. Thank Boom. you very much. Yes. I mean, uh, and that's it's Kansas State, very similar to Oklahoma State. Never going to get picked by people nationally. Not going to, there's no fun for people nationally to talk about. And so, yeah, I think that's a perfect summation of it. And you can – I went back to 2010, but, shoot, you can go back, you know, all the way to 2005, Gundy's first year if you want to. But that I think that certainly illustrates uh, the lack of respect. And that's that's just – that's why Gundy talked about it so publicly after the Notre Dame game. Chad Weiberg was quoted by Garen Emig in the Tulsa World about why that was such a big deal in saying that because he even he was bemoaning the fact that you know, national folks don't take OSU seriously for whatever reason, despite the track record. So, uh, Brian Giddings, this is a great one. Which which Texas Tech quarterback did you fear the most during the Mike Leach era? Uh, yeah, to me, Carson, I, I don't know that it's that close. I think it's Graham Harrell. I mean, Graham Harrell was so good. The weapons that Graham Harrell had when he was there, he had Michael Crabtree and Danny Amendola at the same time. Like, I mean, those offenses were unreal. What was uh, – Harold was there, looks like 05 through 08, threw for almost 16,000 yards. It's just Harold to Crabtree, that was that was different. That was fun to watch, even as an Oklahoma State fan, so I'll go Harold. Yeah, because Mahomes didn't play for the very good teams. Harold had it rolling. Uh, uh, I think, was Mahomes leech, or was Mahomes post-leech? He was post-leech. He, he was, was 14, uh, 15, 16, yeah. He was Kingsbury. I tell you what, though, do you know who had the best season ever? at quarterback from Texas Tech? Uh, I do, but I wouldn't have if I wasn't staring at the list right now. Oh, my God. B.J. Simmons is my answer for the one I was scared most of. (laughs) He passed for 5,800 yards and 52 touchdowns. He also threw 22 picks. That's probably why he's not actually my most feared Tech quarterback. But just in terms of just pure production (laughs) – B.J. Simmons was incredible. He was there in 2003, right before, uh, you know, Mike Gundy ended up taking over in, in 05. So I, that's an underrated quarterback in Big 12 history is B.J. Simmons. He went he went nuclear for one year at Tech. That one is very underrated. Again, Harrell was consistent over a period of time. Harrell pops up in the top 10 of single-season passing yards seasons at Texas Tech three times. Uh, he's also in the top 10 three times for single-season passing touchdowns, 48 in 07, 45 in 08, 38 in 06. Harold just did it three years in a row at a really elite level uh, and improved every year pretty much uh, statistically. So, yeah, uh, I guess he actually had a little bit of a dip looking at the numbers from 07 to 08. That 07 team uh, was the best that Texas Tech had offensively. But that was a really good question uh, from Brian Giddings. I like this one from Trey Brewer, too. Who's next in the ring of honor after Saturday? Blonde Bomber, Bob Fenimore going in on Saturday. That'll give us the uh, the three running backs, Fenimore, Barry Sanders, and Thurman Thomas. I, I Any guesses, Carson, on who winds up there next? Yeah, I mean, you got to go defense, right? Have to. I, I think Leslie O'Neill's next. Uh, that was my College answer. Football Hall of Famer, just recently inducted. Although, you know, the olds, huge fans of Terry Miller, I didn't. I knew this. I've known this my whole life, but it still is worth reiterating that Terry Miller finished second in the Heisman to Earl Campbell. I mean, he finished second to one of the greatest college football players to ever play. Like I know we just keep inducting running backs, but Terry Miller will be up there eventually. But I, I think you got to go defense next. I think so too. Leslie O'Neill uh, was going to be my answer. He's just again, you have to go defense at some point. You can't just keep giving it uh, to the offensive guys, the running backs. So uh, I think we agree it'll be Leslie O'Neill. But that's wouldn't that hurt you in recruiting? Like, wouldn't somebody like like anti-recruit you? Like, look, they don't even care about defense over there. If you're a defensive recruit, they look at all the look at all the offensive guys. They got a statue for Barry, and they put all these guys in the stadium. They all play offense. They don't have any defensive guys. You don't want to go there. 
Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, Brian Metcalf tweets, uh, and he th- shows up, throws up Tom Hunton's punting stats, says, when do we start the Ray Guy campaign? Actual question, do you see Tom improving or leveling out on his average this year? His average is 42.4. But again, he he's a placement kicker. He's a precise kicker. He can send a bomb whenever you need it. Uh, he punts at Oklahoma State, and people don't watch Oklahoma State, so he probably doesn't win the Ray Guy award. But without knowing off the top of my head, uh, who are the best punters nationally? I can't imagine trading Tom Hutton. Tom Hutton's been phenomenal. Yeah, I think, unfortunately for Tom, I think the Ray guy, they people don't watch the games similarly. They, don't, they certainly don't study punting tape. And I think they just look at the average. Okay, who's averaging over 50? He's, he's, he's on the list. He's going to be a semifinalist. So I think that's something he's battling. But I think the advanced analytics – would favor Tom Hutton. I thought Adam Lunt put out some really good stats on this, on, on Tom Hutton. 19 putts, punts, 11 of them downed inside the 20. Every punt from the opponent's side of the field has been down inside the 20. Uh, all eight punts not down inside the 20 came from OSU's 42 or worse. So and he basically reiterates, if basically if OSU crosses their own 38-yard line and punts, the opponent will need to drive 80-plus yards. That's huge to have that guaranteed. And what is a punter supposed to do? It's He's supposed to flip the field. And that's what Tom Hutton is doing so consistently. I was a little frustrated with him when he first started at Oklahoma State. I thought he got off to a really rough start, not only just shanking a few balls, but not pinning people deep. Uh, the few, there were a few times where I was like, his only job is to pin them deep. He's not going to punt it very far. And he wasn't doing that. But he has come a long ways. And I think he's one of the best punters in the country. Whether he'll be recognized for that, I doubt it, but it's certainly going noticed uh, from from you and I. Yeah, again, that that award is kind of a popularity contest, as many college football awards are. That's why you don't see too many players from schools like Oklahoma State win them, because despite being a top ten program over the last decade, it just it goes they to won, guys. They won yeah. the red guy. Shout out to uh, Matt Fodge. Matt Fodge, great name, great what? name, old from Oklahoma State football history. Also, also ran a fake punt against Arizona. He's got some wheels. So shout out, shout out, Matt Fodge, Ray Guy Award winner. Matt, that is a great name. Good pull there. Uh, all right, one more here that I really like, Carson. This came from two people, Aaron Batdorf and Aaron Yunt. Uh, same question from two Aarons. Appreciate you guys. Uh, Aaron Yunt says, barring any injuries, and if he continues to play at this level, is in the realm of possibility that Spencer could be in the conversation as best QB in school history. And Aaron Batdorf asks, what are your thoughts on Gundy saying Spencer Sanders will arguably be the best quarterback in Oklahoma State history? I love Sanders, but I feel like Whedon and Rudolph would have something to say about that claim. Carson, right now, today, as we sit here, October 6th, 2022, Spencer Sanders is unequivocally not the best quarterback in Oklahoma State football history. That being said, is it possible that whenever he's done and I rank him, I put him at one? It's absolutely possible at the end of this season, he'll be the winningest all time in Oklahoma State history. We we don't know what this season looks like as far as conference championships, uh, college football playoffs. I think to claim that title, he'd have to win at least one conference championship, whether it be this year or next year. Oh, that's right, Carson. Because of COVID, he can come back next year if he wants to. So right now today, right now today, he's not one. But could he get there by the time he's done? Yeah, absolutely he could. That's something no one's really talking about. The fact he can come back next year. Like, I, I know he hasn't really been asked about that. And what's he going to say? He's playing in the middle of the season. He's not going to give you an answer one way or another. But he definitely could come back next year. So if he wins a Big 12 title this year and wins one next year, he's, I think he would have – it would be not even be an argument at that point that he'd be the best quarterback. And then you add in the longevity that he's had playing for so long. But regardless of if he comes back next year, Colby, played for a Big 12 title last year. Although I think a lot of people would argue that was because the defense got him there. But if he wins a Big 12 championship this year, it's a, it's a conversation I'm willing to have. And before, I, I, I'm, I was never willing to have it with Mason Rudolph. And again, some of that is not his fault with the defense that, that played behind him on the other side of the ball. A lot of that's him throwing huge interceptions in massive games that I, I just can't put him up there with, with Brandon. But what happens, Colby, if, if Spencer wins a Big 12 championship this year and OSU gets paired against Michigan and he lights Michigan up like a Christmas tree like he absolutely would and wins a college football playoff game, I think, I think at that point he's best quarterback in school history because that's something Brandon didn't do. Now, Brandon didn't get the opportunity to do that due to the ridiculous BCS, 
But I don't know. You, you can take that conversation so many different directions. But I'm just saying, you're not wrong that there's a lot left on the table for him to do that certain quarterbacks at Oklahoma State have not done. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation whenever you talk about what if Spencer were to win a college football playoff game, because then you can make the argument, well, in 2011, Oklahoma State and Stanford were the third and fourth best teams in the country. It would have been a college football playoff matchup. Now, of course, Oklahoma State would have had to play LSU. We all think Oklahoma State would have beat LSU. Actually, Oklahoma State would have had to play Alabama as the 2-3 seed. Probably we all think that they would have beat Alabama. But then, again, my point is you start to get down rabbit holes if you're starting to compare the two different eras. Those are rabbit holes that I would love to get down, Carson, if Spencer Sanders were to win a conference championship uh, in a college football playoff game. I, I certainly think Rudolph's up there, but I'm like you. I, I never would have put him at number one in school history. He made key mistakes at key moments despite his greatness throughout his career at Oklahoma State. Um, so, yeah, I, I think right now, again, he, he's not number one right now. Spencer's not, but his career's not over. So let's not let's not judge him on a full resume uh, until we're done writing the book. And man, I hope whenever the book is written, nobody is still judging him based on the first chapter because uh, there, there's a whole lot of good book. If you can get past those first two or three chapters, you'll be hooked. I promise. Yep, I agree with that. Uh, but yeah, it's a discussion I was not really expecting to to have, but I'm I'm glad we are. Um, any other uh, questions stick out to you? Yeah, I mean, there were about 30 in the replies. We just can't get to them all, but uh, I want, definitely wanted to close with Spencer there. Good good question, Aaron. Good yep. question. I agree. Um, so, anything else before we get out of here, Coley? Uh, Big 12, OU Texas, I, I fully expect uh, Texas to beat the absolute breaks off of OU. Uh, I think OU's headed the wrong direction. I don't know it's what they're going to It's too easy, though, doesn't it? Seems too easy. It's like a total role reversal. We always expect OU to crush Texas because they're terrible. Uh, I think people are... Look, I would wager on Texas, even though the line's moved to nine and a half now that Quinn Ewers is playing. Uh, and Dylan Gabriel apparently suited up at practice. We don't know if he's going to play, but you're right, Colby. On paper, OU should get dump trucked, but the last nine games have been decided by one score. Yeah, I don't get it. I really don't. I just, I don't think Dylan Gabriel's going to play. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. I don't think he does. And if he doesn't, I don't see how they move the ball otherwise. Uh, they, they lost a linebacker. Parker Thune tweeted out an hour ago that Shane Witter on the, on the back end for uh, OU, one of their linebackers, is out for the season with a left shoulder injury, leaving OU with four active scholarship linebackers. Now they've got true freshmen. They can pull some red shirts on. Kobe McKenzie, Kip Lewis, they could pull red shirts if they want to, but we don't know if they're going to. I just – they are really, really depleted. Um, I, I think that they're a bit downtrodden after what took place last week. You, you lose by a touchdown to Kansas State at home. I think you can rationalize that in the locker room and in your heads. Look, it's just one game. All our goals are in front of us. Problem is now, all their goals aren't in front of them, and it, it kind of feels, I don't know, maybe they could get there with two losses if they run the table. It just doesn't seem like it's even in the realm of possibility. I, I don't know. My tune has flipped on OU in a week because last week was something the likes of which we have not seen in a long time from that football program. Just feel like they're kind of headed in the wrong direction. So despite the fact that the last nine have been decided by one score, uh, I, I think OU beats them by 20 – or pardon me, I think Texas beats them by 20-plus. Going the other way. I think, I think OU might cover. Um, you think Gabriel plays? I don't. So I don't know Ooh. why I would think that. Because their backup quarterbacks are awful. I just how good's how good's Texas is my question. Like I don't know. Okay, you played Alabama tough, big deal. Like you lost in Lubbock. Like I don't know. I mean, look, yours looked really good for a quarter. I I get it. I get all that. It's just there's a reason why. I mean, Charlie Strong beat Baker Mayfield. Like that should never happen, but it did. So that's that's my only that's my only thing with this game. And and OU. You got to you got to admit this about OU. They came to Stillwater in 2013, a dead football program, facing Oklahoma State. It was going to win their second Big 12 title. The the sea was changing in this state. Freaking Bob Stoops, the zombie that is OU football, would not die. They ran a fake field goal. We all know what happened in 2013: the freezing cold, turkey legs flying from the stands. So. Count out OU on, on your own. I'm not going to do it. I think it's going to be a close game. I'd still pick Texas, but I just – I don't know how good Texas is one and that weird things happen down there in the Cotton Bowl. And certainly, OU football is that zombie you cannot kill. You're right. You're absolutely right. I'll, I'll say this about it, though. We know that Bob Stoops was an absolutely exceptional, phenomenal head coach. We don't know anything 
about Brent Venables as a head coach because we have a five-game sample size, and it's not off to a great start. Might end up being a great head coach, might not. But we knew Bob was that guy. We, we don't know anything about Brent as far as a head coach goes. Carson, we, we can't not talk about it. We didn't talk about it on Monday because we had so much to get to. We've had a lot to get to today, but, but we can close the show out with this. College game day is in Lawrence, Kansas, 11 a.m. on Saturday, and Texas OU is not the biggest game in the conference. It's the Horned Frogs at the Jayhawks. TCU is favored by a touchdown. Lawrence is going to be a madhouse. I don't know what to make it. I feel like we are living in a bizarro world, Carson, where I might have to put Texas OU on the second TV without volume so that I can watch TCU in Kansas. I mean, Kansas has gone like 10 years without being on TV. Like <laughs> anytime OSU <laughs> played them, they like weren't televised. Uh, but no, it's crazy. Like it's the first time OU and Texas, both teams haven't been ranked since like 98. Uh, and those two teams are ranked in game days there. It's just, it, we're, we are totally living in bizarre world. And I love it. I, I think it's, I think it's awesome for the big 12. I think it's awesome for college football. And uh, I can't ever decide who I want to win the OU Texas game every single year. So I, I just assume they both be bad and not worry about it. So that's what we're getting. I, I did have one more thing to bring up Colby. And I promise we'll, we'll get out of here. Did you see Wyoming stealing swinging Pete and stealing Curse of Cowboys and just straight up stealing Pistol Pete and go pokes and ride for the brand. Have you seen this? I, I did see it, Carson. And I'm going to be honest with you. The Swinging Pete, look, I love Carson Creek Swinging Pete stuff. I'm all in with you on the Swinging Pete. I've got a hot take for you, though. I like where this is going. I've got a hot take for you. I don't like this at all. The all yellow shirt that simply says Cowboys across the chest in the Curse of Cowboys font. Carson, that would make a phenomenal alternate. It, it's essentially an alternate uniform for an OSU fan. I need one of these yellow Cowboys shirts just, just to wear. It's a great alternate Cowboys shirt. The yellow, I love it. Why would you want a yellow Cowboys shirt? I don't know. It's like the alternate jerseys. Why does the basketball team wear teal? I don't know. It's just, it's a different color with the cool Curse of Cowboys font. I can't explain it, Carson, but as soon as I saw it, I wanted one. Well, I got a little triggered when, when Josh Allen's on Monday Night Football saying, go Pokes, and then now they've got go Pokes written on his shirt. The, the, the most egregious one is, is it's literally Pistol Pete, just he's yellow. Like, it's not even any different at all. And then they, they at least made the Curse of Cowboys somewhat slightly different, although it's basically an exact replica as well. Apparently, this, I was beside myself on Twitter today. Uh, someone tweeted an article at me. You can go to my Twitter account and read the article. Apparently, OSU's trademarking offices and, and Wyoming, they've been in court. And apparently, Wyoming has to pay OSU royalties to use Pistol Pete. And and because it is it is Pistol Pete. They, have, they haven't made him different at all other than the colors. And it, it can't say uh, OSU on it anywhere, obviously. It just has to say Cowboys or, or Wyoming. And, and but, don't they call him Pistol Pete, too? Like, they don't have a different yeah. name. Yeah, they, they straight yeah. up call him Pistol Pete, even though we all know the story of Frank Eaton. So I, I, I don't know if Wyoming doesn't have a marketing department, if they're just so poorly funded, they're just like, we're just going to pay OSU because their stuff's great. Um, but Karsten Creek won't allow you to put Swing and Pete on a golf ball if you buy it just if you try to do it yourself through Titleist. Titleist won't let you. You have to buy Swing and Pete golf balls at Karsten Creek. So I don't I want to know what Wyoming's paying uh, paying Oklahoma State. And it's not enough. We gotta we gotta make up for these TV contracts. We need Wyoming to, to give us Yellowstone. We need to we need to get <laughs> something going on with this Wyoming program, ripping off Pistol Pete and Swinging Pete. I I won't stand for it, Colby. Carson, again, my, my wife's in the other room. She just texted me. She said her favorite color is yellow. She says, I need one of the shirts. She says, I need a yellow Curse of Cowboys shirt. It's 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 like an alternative uniform. I'm, I'm telling you. That one, yes. The Swinging Pete, not so much. Uh, I will say this is a little unrelated to the uh, Wyoming topic here. I've got a buddy who's a member at Karsten. They recently gave out some, uh, like, anniversary gifts. Gold Swinging Pete, limited edition uh, bags, golf balls, little gold swinging peats on the side of golf balls, putter covers with gold swinging peat on them. Uh, phenomenal limited edition stuff from Carson Creek. I, I don't think you can even buy it. I think they just gave it uh, to some of the members as a, an anniversary type deal. Uh, but yeah, swinging peat is an elite logo, and I don't like that Wyoming is using it. I'm kind of cool with the other stuff as long as they're paying their royalties. Yeah, well, we need, we're going to need Jackson Hole now. As part of the royalties, you you have to give you have to give 
Oklahoma State Jackson Hole, and we'll help, we'll host alumni events there. Here's what we, I want. We want Jackson Hole, Wyoming, in return. Here's what I want. I want for the Pistols Firing Podcast crew to be awarded an all-expenses-paid ski trip to Jackson Hole. I don't know if you ski, Carson, but it is my favorite winter activity slash hobby. I go a few times a year. It's very expensive. I want an all-inclusive paid trip to Jackson Hole for some great skiing. If that happens, then no more royalties. Wyoming can do whatever they want. I want you to wear a yellow Cursive Cowboys shirt to a game <laughs> just to get reactions from people. Oh, that'd be fair. Should I do it? Should I wear a yellow? I probably couldn't even get it in by the Texas game if it's coming from uh, Wyoming. Who knows how that, how quickly. I, I don't think it's Amazon getting it here tomorrow. Uh, uh, it's home field apparel. I don't even know where they're based out of. It's not coming directly from Wyoming. But I, I would so wear a yellow Cursive Cowboys shirt to Stillwater just to see what looks I got and report back for the pod. I might do it. Yeah, you should. All right, Colby, that covers it. Uh, have fun. Are you going to Stillwater on Saturday? I am. What about you? I don't, th- I don't think I am, um, but I'll, I'll definitely get up there at some point this year. Texas would probably be a good one. Uh, Sunday, at, yeah. Sunday at noon, though? Is that the plan? Sunday at noon? YouTube Sunday live? at noon, yep. Uh, we'll, we'll try to work out the kinks, and uh, hopefully people will join us. So you can fire off questions in the comments section, and then it'll be a way more interactive show than just Twitter questions. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, and, and hopefully we have a win to talk about. Yeah, maybe it was a good thing that we had technical difficulties last week because with listeners interacting, we might have gone four hours on OSU Baylor. So, I have, yeah. Uh, yeah, there were a bunch of people in the waiting room last week, and, and the technology failed us. We're going to have it worked out. We'll be good to go Sunday at noon on YouTube Live. Carson, great show as always. We appreciate appreciate everyone listening. Enjoy the game this Saturday in Stillwater. Go see our good friends at Chris's University Spirit. And as always, go Pokes.